Welcome in everybody to Betting Pros. Obviously, last night, uh, realities of football and realities of life and death came into play in the Monday night football game between the Bills and the Bengals. Uh, we're here today to talk some football with you all, but we are well aware of the circumstances and how heavy they hang right now for the life of DeMar Hamlin and for his teammates, his family, and uh, everyone who was involved in what happened last night. And uh, obviously a very difficult set of circumstances. So with heavy hearts, we're here today to do a show and we're going to do our best to do that show. But at the same time, everyone's mind is somewhere else. Everyone's thoughts, their prayers, their hopes are for DeMar Hamlin's speedy recovery. And I think it is a um, certainly something that is, as Pat was mentioning before the show, uncharted waters for all of us here. We've never been in a circumstance like this. We've seen injuries in the NFL. We've never seen something quite like that. And uh, I'm very happy for one that uh, they did not force those uh, young men to continue playing last night's game. I think it was the right call. And I want to give credit to the coaches. I want to give credit to the teams to stop and realize that reality is far more important than a game. And uh, once again, a, a set of circumstances that were very difficult and it was handled very well last night by many people in the media. So I want to focus on the positives. Ryan Clark and Scott Van Pelt last night did an amazing job discussing and trying to continue to broadcast in the circumstances, which was completely um, different than anything I think any of us have ever experienced. We've all been through different moments in our lives and certainly in uh, some strange scenarios in the past. But I think this was a unique scenario last night where everyone's sitting excited for a Monday Night Football game. What we got was a harsh dose of reality. And I think, gentlemen, all we can do is just remind everybody that, you know, we continue to hope for the best. It was, um, although a very scary moment, also a moment where you look around and you see once again, the good. Uh, kind of go back to that uh, that old Sesame Street, uh, Mr. Rogers kind of stuff back on PBS. You know, Mr. Rogers always said, look for the good. Look for the people doing good. Look for the amazing people, the EMTs who came out to work. Look for the amazing people and the doctors who were there to uh, do their job to get him stable, as stable as he could be in this critical condition. And look to all the uh, incredible people and the support on social media and the incredible work that people did donating to his uh, GoFundMe for the, um, for the children's toys for tots that uh, Mr. Hamlin set up. So although a very difficult night, a night where you can take out a lot of uh, positive things as well, and we continue to stay positive here for DeMar Hamlin, his family, his teammates, and uh, football is secondary uh, to all of those things. And we are not going to talk about those games because the games coming up for those two teams are not on the board, and those games are inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Matthew Friedman, Pat Fitzmorris, is there anything you'd like to add here before we continue on today? Uh, with the business of football, which is, we all know, inconsequential uh, to a large degree right now. But again, it's something that we know is also going to happen. And we're also going to do our best to do our jobs here today. Yeah, nothing for me. Uh, I think you you said it well. And obviously, our you know thoughts are with, uh, you know, the Bills and, and their family and, you know, DeMar Hamlin and everyone who's involved there and, you know, football fans in general. It's it's a tough game. And I, you know, I think everyone knows it's a tough game. Uh, and, you know, I think it's just, you know, thankful that stuff like this doesn't happen more often that these guys, you know, mm -hmm. they really lay their bodies on the line every every day, every game, every play you know, every day that they're out there. Uh, and so, you know, obviously our thoughts are with all of them. Yeah, Pat, the, uh, they are the gladiators in the arena in the modern day. That's what they are. And, um, and we all know, you know, how hard they work 
uh this is their dream too i mean so this is this is people living their dream it's always a thing we say when we cover the draft every year like this is somebody's dream coming true and we get to watch that it's just a miraculous thing i think that's why it kind of surpasses football and this last night was also an event that sort of surpassed football unfortunately in a different way yeah um prayers for hamlin and this is why i really am never um you'll never catch me talking about football players being overpaid because uh you know these are the risks they take and um yeah i mean it's just uh, you're almost surprised it doesn't something like this hasn't happened sooner you know things like this don't happen more often because of the nature of the sport and some of the hits we see these guys take and uh you know as we were talking about backstage before the show like this seemed like a relatively benign tackle like a routine play um yeah like you see 20 things more violent looking during any nfl game and uh yeah man it's a tough business and uh yeah i think you said everything very well joe it's also a business that we love these these men who play it and the men and women who are around this game and make their living off this game. They love this game. We love this game. That's why we're here doing what we do. So it, it's a it's a it's a game that brings us all together. And last night was another moment that did that. And and it was a weekend of some great football and some incredible stuff going on. So it, it, not to be lost in that, too, of of all the joy and starting off the new year with football and, and all of that community and and that's what we're doing here. And as we continue to look ahead to uh, those things that we enjoy so much, getting together with our friends and family, watching these games, we're going to watch these games. We're going to be involved in these games and the players are going to be, you know, playing these games going forward. And we're going to start here with Saturday games because the Kansas City Chiefs uh, are going to be playing the Las Vegas Raiders. We know those games have been moved to Saturday. Uh, I know we're very excited about the Tennessee Jacksonville one. We'll get to that one in a second. That's going to be uh, a really great game to talk about. But first, Kansas City. Uh, we know the number for this one is 53. Nine and a half is the spread here. We're looking at the Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Las Vegas pushed uh, unbelievable to overtime. <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers, an incredible effort there. Uh, could not have been more wrong about Devontae Adams and the Las Vegas Raiders and Jared Stidham. Uh, they did come up short, though. Uh, but here we are. So, Friedman, when you're looking at this game here, and obviously the Kansas City Chiefs continue to uh, roll themselves into the playoffs. Uh, what do you think about this nine and a half? Is that number safe? Well, Jared Stidham looked really great, surprisingly great last week. Well, I say great, but you know he had the, he you had the say surprising. It's okay. He, he had the county <laughs> numbers. Surprised. You know, over mm-hmm. three hundred yards, three hundred sixty-five yards, three touchdowns. Did have two interceptions, but certainly he was better than I anticipated he would be, given everything that we had seen and hadn't seen out of him to that point in his career. So the Raiders do get a little bit of an upgrade there. That said, I still have the Kansas City Chiefs uh, at minus 10.75 here. I haven't bet it because the projections have been off with the Chiefs all year long. Like the In terms of the numbers that they are able to put up, I think they deserve to be the number one or number two power rated team in the league. Uh, you know, they are in the highest tier of all the teams here, but there's a difference between what they're able to do on a play to play basis and the number of points they're able to get in needing to covering a spread. And they just haven't been able to do that recently. So uh, I think that if I had to bet aside here, I would lean ever so slightly towards the chiefs, but I'm not betting it. Pat, are you in the same mold here when it comes to the Chiefs where uh, you really don't want to get pressed into this number at the nine and a half because some of these games have been closer? 
I am, and especially coming off a game in which I beat the Chiefs or bet the Chiefs to cover against the Broncos, and they didn't again. I mean, that's twice I've been burned on Chiefs Broncos games this year, and uh, not those are not the first two times I've been burned betting the Chiefs as big favorites. Like I just am sick of losing money betting the Chiefs as big favorites in games where it seems like they should win by two or three touchdowns. So I don't want to do that here, but uh, I am interested in this total because 53 seems just way too high. And I do realize the Raiders uh, were just involved in a 71-point game with Jared Stidham. Mm -hmm. Um, And granted, he did look really good in that game, but he also threw two interceptions. Uh, It would not surprise me if the Jarrett Stidham carriage turned into a pumpkin for this game. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I just in their earlier meeting, 59 points, uh, really well played game. The Chiefs beat the Raiders 30 to 29 in a game where I think there were like 750 yards of offense and no turnovers. Um, I don't think we're going to see that kind of a game here in week 18 with a backup quarterback going for the Raiders. And I'm still kind of viewing him as such as a backup quarterback. Uh, You know, I don't think he's the second coming of Jim Plunkett just because of that game (laughs) against the 49ers. I will say one quick thing here on the spread. Uh, It is as low as eight and a half at DraftKings. It is nine at points bet and nine and a half at bet MGM and FanDuel. So there is a little bit of market disagreement or market movement on this number. And it would not surprise me if it continued to move towards the Raiders in this spot as it, it already is doing in the market. So I, you know, depending on where you're leaning, I think you bet it now or you wait. You think it could get lower than eight and a half? Yeah, I think it could. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, All right. The Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans are giving us an early playoff game. You win and you win the division here. Uh, I assume if you dialed this back, I don't know, about eight weeks ago, this number would be inverted. But right now you are correct. You're looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars being six and a half point home favorites here over the Tennessee Titans. Uh, And this is a huge scenario here for Jacksonville who – Playing with house money, they're eight and eight. The Tennessee Titans are seven and nine. 38 and a half is the number, plus 225 on the money line for the Titans. Uh, Pat, when you're looking at this one, clearly all the momentum is on the Jacksonville side in the last few weeks. You are also going to get uh, a different quarterback again for the Tennessee Titans here. Um, so that certainly has a lot to do with this. Do you think the Titans just have enough, uh, Not let's say not even to win this game, but do they have enough to keep this game close in your opinion? Oh, um, maybe. It seems like uh, based on the last six games and the six game losing streak they're on, no, because they have just not been able to generate much offense. I mean, they've scored 16 or fewer points in five of these six losses, and they haven't scored more than 14 points in any of their last three games. So hard to see the optimism for them offensively. I don't know, man, maybe Vrabel can uh, rally the troops and like they would have to ugly this game up, I think, to have a chance, uh, truly. And it's kind of interesting when these teams last played, it was week 14 and the Jaguars won 36-22. And I felt like we've seen glimpses of the Jaguars offense play well earlier this season, throughout the season. But like week 14 seemed like it was their great awakening on offense. Like they have been really good ever since that game and um like i don't know if the titans defense as injury ravaged as it's been and they've given up 25.7 points a game during this losing streak i don't know if they can keep the jaguars from uh you know functioning at this high level they've been functioning at so i kind of like the over here but I'm, i'm not crazy about the side like i think the line is pretty close to what it should be 
you mentioned Pat about this is what they do. You know, they kind of keep things close, keep it ugly. You know, but at this point, Friedman, with all the injuries that this team has suffered, do you think that they're capable of continuing to play that style of football? No, uh, I, I think zero chance. <laughs> and there, there's, and they haven't even been playing it to this point. So I don't mm-hmm. think like they haven't been able to play successfully ugly winning football for the past six weeks or so. And, you know, as Fitz mentioned in that week 14 game, the, uh, the Jags were underdogs. They were three and a half point underdogs and they went out there and won by two touchdowns. And the, uh, the Titans are even more injured now than they were then. Now, granted, you can say that, you know, they basically took a glorified buy last week by letting a lot of their players rest. But a lot of those players weren't going to be playing anyway because they were injured. And that's not even counting guys who are on IR. So they are, I mean, I'm not even going to try to list all of the players who are out for them on IR. Um, but, you know, importantly, Ryan Tannehill is still out. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's one of the most important positions that they could have. I know, like, they de-emphasize quarterback more than most teams, but there's still a significant drop-off from Tannehill to Josh Dobbs, and that's assuming that Dobbs is better than Malik Willis, and he probably is, but, like, they're starting their third-string quarterback in this right. game going against a team that is, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders right now, and the players who were injured – and maybe could have played last week. There's still no guarantee that all of those guys come back this week. Christian Fulton, uh, cornerback, Dylan Cole, linebacker, and then on the defensive line, Jeffrey Simmons at defensive tackle, Denico Autry at edge, you know, and, and then right tackle Nicholas petit Frere. There's no guarantee he's playing in this game. Safety Imani Hooker. Like, they are just injured all over the place. I don't think this game is close. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Friedman. I think that uh, Tennessee can't do what they want to do anymore. And uh, it's not a knock on Dobbs. You know, he had a couple moments in that game. It's just I, I think Jacksonville is a really good football team right now. They're playing good defense, too. They're getting to the quarterback. I mean, they're making things happen there. Um, what a story, too. What a turnaround. The Jacksonville Jaguars in a year. The laughing stock of the league all the way to uh, a playoff team. Uh, amazing turnaround, potentially. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they look like they're going to be a playoff team. Eight and eight. Six and 10 Atlanta Falcons. They are on the road facing the Falcons. Uh, Tampa's three point favorites, as you would imagine. That's about right here. Can't really give Tampa too much credit. 40 and a half is the number. Um, I'm sorry. Yes, I see that. My apologies. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are three point underdogs to the Falcons here. So uh, is this a case, Friedman, where we're just looking at a team that's not playing for anything? We're not worried about it. Everyone's sitting. So is this a game that you would even wager on because of that variable? Uh, no, it's it's a meaningless game, uh, you know, in theory. And so mm-hmm. this opened as uh, seven and a half. The Falcons were seven and a half point favorites when this oh, this line opened uh, on Sunday night. And it's been bet down to three. Seven and a half was way too much. But mm-hmm. three is right around where it should be. Um, I have this projected at 3.75 because we don't know for sure how much um, – the Buccaneers are going to rest in this spot. Like, yeah, they looked good on offense last week, but there's the possibility that they still might want to get in some of those like quote unquote live practice reps to get in playoff state because their offense. Yeah, sure. It's looked good and won out of the past, like 14 games, but you know, it's, yeah, but it's, it's not it's something weird. where it's they like, can just what's rest. more important for them reps or, or the age of this team and, and getting more rest. Like I rest think, or reps, I yeah. guess, at this point. That's the question. I think, they get, I think they get significant rest on defense. 
And I think offense, they let those guys go out there and try to gel just a little bit more. Sounds about right to me. Do you agree here, Pat? And does that make this game a little precarious from a number standpoint? I do agree. Um, you know, Todd Bowles has said that he wants to play, that he's planning to play his starters. I believe that was the exact quote. And um, it's just a matter of how much. And I think we see probably a preseason type approach to this game where, as Friedman was talking about, like, let them especially after a game where their offense, maybe not the running game, but at least the passing game was very functional and uh, successful against the Panthers in that big game. Maybe they give the starters a couple of series and just try to keep the rhythm going. But eventually this is going to turn into Desmond Ritter versus Blaine Gabbert. And at uh, 40 and a half, I'm pretty interested in the under here. That's probably the best wager right now. Call. If you're trying to look at a good call there, Pat. All right. The Chicago Bears at home, four point underdogs to the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are now 12 and four after getting shellacked by the Green Bay Packers. Oh, man. What a what a bad look that was for the Vikings and a really good game for Pat's Green Bay Packers. 45 and a half is the number uh, plus 156 on the money line for the Bears. Like the Bears look like they're trying to uh, track for the highest draft pick they can right now, which is probably a good idea for them. Uh, get Justin Fields some help. Uh, Pat. Uh, Minnesota Vikings licking their wounds a little bit. I'm sure this is a, a fun one for you here on this end. What do you think of this for um, in the state of these two football teams coming into the last week of the season? Boy, Joe, I don't know what to think because talk about ambiguous motivation levels for a football game right now. I mean, the Bears probably don't want to mess up their playoff or right. their uh, draft position. Matt Eberflus has been noncommittal about whether he's going to play Justin Fields. And like, if you watch that game with the Bears and Lions last week, Fields did not do much running after he had that long run in the he first one quarter. Yeah. And it looked like he was, uh, I don't know, like not right after he got up and like he was maybe laboring to, to breathe a little bit on that. I, I wonder if like, he had some sort of rib injury or There's something so like that. So many other, and, and I also think Pat in that game. I mean, just nobody was healthy around him too. He had no wide receiver. He has, he's got very right. little talent around him and very little targets around him and people that can get open. So he's just kind of in a bad spot all around. I'm, I'm, I think they shouldn't play him. I think they should put him in bubble wrap for next year and say let's move on. If that ends up being the scenario, what do you think of the Vikings on this side? Well, here's the thing, Joe. Do the Vikings really want to uh, jump past the 49ers and get into that second spot? Because if they get the number two seed, they are probably going to be playing either the Green Bay Packers or the Detroit Lions. Um, and, you know, a Green Bay Packers team that just completely trucked them in Lambeau Field and uh, was, you know, the, the first team all year to really just maybe not the first, but uh, among the first teams to clamp oh, no, down on Justin them. Jefferson. They trucked so, him. Hey, look, there was a lot of issues with that field surface, too. You guys were stripping all over the place, falling over the place. But give Jair Alexander and all them credit. They played physical. They played hard. And they kept their foot on the gas, too, which is something sometimes that Packer team also struggles with. Yeah, but I like I don't know how badly the Vikings are going to want to win this game and go all out for it. Like, I'm not sure if Fields doesn't play. I mean, this line looks too small, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know that the uh, Vikings are hugely motivated in this one themselves, and they might rest some of their starters in the second half, at least. Freeman, do you think the Vikings have to go in and kind of wash their mouth out a little bit uh, with uh, after after what happened to this Sunday? you think they kind of need a cleansing kind of contest here against the Bears to get back on track and get that confidence level up? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't think, I mean, 
I think they've announced that they're not planning on benching their starters. Uh, and, you know, given the situation with the Bears, uh, I think it's not known if they're sitting Justin Fields, but they have every incentive not to win this game. They have the incentive to maybe start him and then bench him at halftime so they can, you know, evaluate the other quarterback, like whatever it is. Like, I don't think we're going to see the Bears doing their full thing. And I think the Vikings will want to, you know, sort of get back on track, as you mentioned there. So I have this projected at 3.5, but like I understand that I'm probably not accurately accounting for all of the different variables in this spot. And if I had to bet on a side here, uh, and in fact, I, I did earlier, uh, I would bet on Minnesota. But I, I took that number when it was Minnesota minus one, uh, which is where it opened on Sunday night, one, one and a half. And it's now moved you know to four. So the that's market has been moving movement. towards Minnesota. And I think that's the right side. Indianapolis hosting the Houston Texans. The Colts are 4-11-1. The Houston Texans are 2-13. The Colts are two-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. 38 is the number, uh, and the money line is plus 130 on the Houston side. Friedman, I know this could sound crazy, and I know a lot of Houston Texans fans probably don't want to hear me say this, but I think this number is wrong. I think the Houston Texans could go in there and win this football game. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. The Colts shouldn't be favored against anyone. I guess the only reason why they are favored is because of home field advantage in theory. But yeah, they are they are the worst team. I think they're the worst team in the league right now. I think the Texans are better. Uh, the Texans, you know, before uh, getting demolished last week, they've been playing some very quality opponents, very tough. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they have much more of a backbone than I think uh, we have seen out of the Colts recently. He will now be starting Sam Ellinger, their, you know, second string, third string quarterback. Or Hard to kind keep of, track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This And this number is still three, plus three at DraftKings, plus three at points bet. Um, I don't know. This is like pure, this is pure gambling at this point. But I, if I had to take a position, it would definitely be Houston. And I am tempted to do it given there's a three out there that's where this opened and it has moved to two and a half at some books. So I'm, I'm very tempted by this. Uh, all right, let's uh, get your take here on this, Pat. I, I would just go flat out take Houston on the money line at plus 130 and look, look on to the next game. What would you do here? I see it kind of the same way you do, Joe, especially with Sam Ellinger at quarterback. I mean, the, the Indy offense was pretty hapless with Ellinger making two starts earlier in weeks eight and nine. They scored 19 points in those two games combined. Uh, in the second of those two games, they scored three points against the Patriots, and uh, Ellinger was sacked nine times while throwing for 103 yards. His sack yardage almost exceeded his passing yardage. Um, the one thing I'm worried about, though, here can the Bears leapfrog the Texans and get the first pick if the Texans win this game and the Bears lose? Hmm. I think I, I believe that would be the case, wouldn't it? Well, that would look. certainly put yeah. a wrinkle in the situation there for them. Um, look, there's more than one franchise quarterback, I think, in that draft. Uh, I would say minimum two. So if you're going to go to the two spot, I think you can still be okay. It's weird. As Freeman looked at that, Pat, my take is especially, you know, um, after everything they've been through uh, with the Houston Texas organization is they want that one pick and they should take Bryce Young because I think they need uh, a makeover start to finish. And I think he's the right kind of new face for that organization. I don't know if they want to go through uh, another situation where you're questioning a player or you're wondering, is this the player we're taking the talent or is this like we're getting the full package? I think this is an organization that kind of needs the total package there a little bit more. Bryce Young's a good face for that. Uh, Freeman, do you have the update on that? 
I'm pretty sure they have it locked in because they tied a game. And so even if they win, they would be, uh, what's that number? They would be, sorry, they would be three. Even if they won, they'd be three thirteen and one. And if Chicago loses, they would be three fourteen. Oh, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah, they would flip them. Yeah, they would flip them. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, like that's the one concern. I mean, Lovey Smith strikes me as the old school. Yeah, we're gonna play to win kind of coach. But um, you know, you also wonder if there's gonna be any communication between Lovey and the front office about maybe uh, you know how much the starters play in the second half. That's very possible. A very dangerous set of circumstances. This is what you get to in week 18. Uh, the Jets, 7-9 and nine versus the Miami Dolphins, 8-8. Eight and eight. The Dolphins continue to sputter. Mike White was not magic, unfortunately, against the Seahawks early this week. The Dolphins are one-point home favorites here. 38 is the number. Uh, we're going to get Teddy Bridgewater again in this game. Look, it's practically a pick em fit, so who do you want to pick, if anybody, here? Oh man, uh, I I'm probably just gonna lay off this game, and and um, it might not even be Teddy because he's got this pinky injury yeah. on his mm-hmm. throwing hand, so we might get um oh man, I'm blanking on Skylar Thompson, Thompson the K State yeah. kid. Um, yeah, so and like I feel like the Jets are probably gonna be motivated to try to go out on a high note and um you know feel good about themselves going into the off season after what's been largely a successful season even though things have not gone well for them of late um so anyway with the either a second or third string quarterback playing for miami and uh you know we, i think mike white has revealed himself to be not the savior of the the jets in recent weeks um i'm a, leaning a little bit toward the under here but I don't really want to pick a side, Joe. I mean, like you said, it's pretty much a pick them at this number. And uh, I just uh, like, I don't feel good about it. If if I were forced to make a call on this, I think I'd take the Jets though. The Jets and Dolphins, by the way, have both lost five in a row here. Uh, your thoughts for even on that? One of these teams theoretically has to win here. Do you see any value at all early on? I have a slight lean to Miami, but um it's you know like 1.5 versus one so i don't really have any any lean here that i would bet on um both of these teams have fallen like both of them look like pretty decent playoff contenders earlier in the year and then as you mentioned both lost five games in a row uh there i mean there's a i doubt that either one of these coaches gets fired but one of these coaches will have six straight losses on his resume entering the offseason like there's a chance that someone will get fired. If it's not the coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, whatever it is, I feel like someone is going to lose their job in, in that uh, coaching staff. But I have, I gotta say, I have no one thing on I would say game. to that Friedman is I think that it's, it's the quarterback situation for the jets. I think all of us think if the jets had consistent, competent quarterback play, we might be looking at a different story here for the jets this year. Uh, yeah. That defense has been very good. I think Robert Sala is a good coach. Mike McDaniel. I was skeptical. And then he was kind of the guy for a while there he was the boy genius and then all of a sudden it's come crashing down but once again you know you don't have the right health of the quarterback quarterback's not in the right place you know these things can become very tenuous very quickly in the nfl carolina panthers had a moment in the island of relevancy uh last week but now they are six and ten taking on the new orleans saints at seven and nine uh, they are three and a half point underdogs traveling to new orleans as they should be 41 and a half is the number plus 160 on the money line for the panthers uh let's talk about this one here friedman uh carolina Certainly uh, a team that's been more competitive with Sam Darnold under center 
And uh, the question is, can they be competitive in this game here? And do you like the, uh, the side of the Carolina Panthers because of that? Yeah, I have I have actually a pretty strong lean towards the Saints here. I haven't bet it. This is one of those games where neither team really has anything to play for. Um, but, you know, the number's three and a half. I have it at six. I, I think the Saints are pretty significantly better than the, the Panthers. Uh, you know, the Panthers are missing their top two cornerbacks. The Saints are almost entirely healthy now on defense. Their offense isn't great, but uh, I think it is good enough. So... Again, I guess Sam Darnold has been reasonably good, uh, or he's been better than I would have expected the past four weeks or so, but I still don't think the Panthers are really all that good on offense. All right. Uh, Fitz, what are your thoughts here about uh, this contest? Do you think that uh, New Orleans is indeed the worthy uh, favorite here in this contest, as Vegas does believe? No, I kind of see this differently than Friedman. In fact, I've got, um, I think, it should be a two and a half point game. Um, but like things are moving against me. And while I was looking at this game on DraftKings about an hour ago, I mean, this moved in real time to four points on DraftKings. I'm not sure if it's still at four, but um, yeah. So I just like the way the Panthers have played since Darnold took over. Um, you know, they're collapse on defense against uh the Buccaneers last week notwithstanding and a lot of that obviously with JC Horn out I mean losing one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL um you know and all of a sudden Mike Evans just totally erupts and and the the past defense went to hell but like are the Saints equipped to take advantage of a depleted secondary for the Panthers like I don't know if I don't know if they are and um yeah I mean that the Panthers offense has generally looked a lot better with Darnold at the controls. Um, I, I feel like this is going to be a close game. And, um, you know, when the spread is drifting past field goal range, I'm inclined to take the Panthers. The next game on the slate for week 18 is the Pittsburgh Steelers eight and eight after a big victory Sunday night against Baltimore Ravens, seven and nine Cleveland Browns come to town. Uh, Pittsburgh three-point favorites at home, so they're basically telling you this is your standard NFL contest. 39 is the over-under, plus 134, the Cleveland Browns. Pat, uh, the Steelers, you know, starting to, I think, get a little confidence. They have a chance to be above uh, 500 here this week uh, with a victory. That's something that you would certainly like to uh, to do if you're Mike Tomlin after a very rough start to the season. Do you think that's the case when all said and done here? Yeah, Tomlin's never finished with a losing record, right? So right. uh, he's trying to keep that streak intact. Um, boy, I mean, if it stays at a field goal, if, if it gets to anything more than a field goal, I would want to be on Cleveland. Like, I do not I feel good about I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Pittsburgh should not be uh, favored by more than a field goal against uh, just about anyone, especially a, a team that's, you know, reasonably competitive here like the Browns so um right now I'm just not really interested in in touching this game it feels like it's going to be another you know typical AFC North slog of a game low scoring close um I'm not interested in betting it normally you'd want to go for the under here too but 39 is already set pretty low Friedman is that too low of a bar I think that's probably about right I actually still even at uh current number uh, you know, it's it's plus two and a half across the market. There is a juiced plus three at Bet MGM. I would bet that. I like Cleveland in this spot. I have this close to a pick them. Uh, I think Cleveland, they have the better quarterback, even though Deshaun Watson hasn't been great since returning. We did see him start to round into form in the second half last week. And 
the uh, the defense for the Browns for the past six weeks or so has been like back to the unit that people expected it to be entering the year. It's been one of the best defenses in the league. So I think they have the better quarterback. They have the better defense or a, at least a defense that is just as good. And uh, in theory, they probably have the better offensive play caller as well. So I I do like the Browns in this spot. All right, next game on the slate, the Denver Broncos 4-12, and 12, hosting Los Angeles Chargers at 10-6. and 6. Uh, Chargers are three-point favorites on the road here against the Denver Broncos. 40 is the number for this contest, plus 145 on the Denver money line. Uh, Friedman, any early value in Denver, L.A. for you this week? No, I have this projected at 3.25, uh, so really nothing to say on that. I mean, I I have been tempted all, all year, uh, as people are probably aware, by the unders in the Denver Broncos games, but uh, I'm not really even sure I, I want to look there in this spot. Uh, the number's 40. I have it projected right around there, so really nothing of value for me in this game. Do you see this the same fits? I do. Um, two teams I've had kind of a hard time getting a handle on all year. Uh, like every time I want to go against the Broncos, like last week against the Chiefs, um, you know, they turn in a, one of their better performances. So, yeah, I'm not eager to uh, take any Chargers game at this point. Like the Chargers are, to me, the great Jekyll and Hyde team of the NFL in, in 2022. And, uh, you know, wouldn't be surprised if that carried into the first weekend of 2023. Okay, moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles and New York Giants. Uh, Eagles struggling right now with Gardner Minshew under center uh, last couple weeks. They are still 14-point favorites here against the New York football Giants. New York 9-6-1. and one. The Eagles are 13-3 and three now. 42.5 is his number, plus 600 on the money line. This is an in-division game here, uh, division rivalry here. Um, a lot to take in. And I know that the Giants could theoretically just kind of rest on their laurels a bit. But Fitz, do you think that's Brian Dayball's style? I think it is. I think they're going to uh, basically shut it down for this game. Mm -hmm. And they're going against a very motivated Eagles team playing to keep the number one seed and get that first round by. So um, it should be a big total. And two touchdowns seems about right to me. Um, with Jalen Hurts coming back, I may be a little bit interested. Well, I don't know about interested, but I think there is maybe just a, a smidge of value on the over here. Like I've got it at, at 43. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the Philly offense is going to go all out here and and try to put this one away early. So um, yeah, I, like I don't know how much, if at all, uh, the Giants starters are going to play. It wouldn't shock me if we didn't see Daniel Jones start a quarterback for the Giants in this one. Okay, uh, your thoughts here, Friedman, on this contest. Do you see this the same way as Fitz does, that Brian Dibble and the Giants just look ahead to the playoffs rather than looking ahead to Week 18? Yeah, I think that's probably right. Like, they have the ability to have a pretty decent, you know, glorified bye week here. Uh, and I do think that the uh, the Eagles will probably go all out. Uh, Jalen Hurts expected to return, and they're playing for the number one seed. So I don't think there's even much of an idea of like, okay, they play their starters in the first half or the first three quarters or whatever it is, and then they get a decent lead, and then they they bench those guys. Like those guys will have rest the week after. So I think they probably play the full game, but. I don't know. Like there is still something about the giants. Like Tyrod Taylor is the backup quarterback. Like he's one of the better backups in the league. He historically does well as an underdog, like 14 points is a lot of points, even given the situation, you know, like mm -hmm. a low scoring game 
in in january like i agree i feel like it's too much it feels like a little bit too much and that's even with me trying to adjust for the uh the likelihood that the giants rest a lot of players so i haven't bet it but for me it would be giants or pass all right the rams and seattle seahawks are going to lock up in seattle six and a half point favorites are the seahawks at home here against the los angeles rams the the number for this game is 41 and a half plus 240 on the money line uh freeman what do you see in this game here with seattle seahawks got back on track this past weekend with a big win against the jets i i like the rams in this spot i haven't bet it but my number points towards the Rams, six and a half i have it at five and a half so a little bit of value there and and six is increasingly more of a a key number in today's nfl so i think there is some value there but again we have the spot of like differing um differing motivations but the rams have been dead for weeks and they still haven't sort of rolled over and died you know they've actually still been playing pretty tough uh and you know whether that's you know baker mayfield sean McVay, whatever it is you know i think they're going to be playing pretty tough and for them to be able to uh in theory maybe kind of get a win in the last week of the season and you know keep the seahawks from getting into the playoffs i think that's something that they would probably like to do so i think they probably play this you know as if it's a real game for them and if that's the case six and a half is too much is six and a half too much in your opinion too pat I think it's about spot on. And um, as, as much as the Seahawks have been kind of a pleasant surprise this season and still have this uh, chance to get into the playoffs, like I, I don't totally trust them in a game with a, a taller number. And yeah, I mean, the Rams kind of let me down last week after they uh, demolished the Broncos on Christmas Day. Um, I thought they could maybe hang with the Chargers and they could not, uh, although they didn't. Uh, they didn't totally roll over in that game, but like not a good result, obviously losing by three touchdowns. Um, yeah. Like I just, like, I can't lay this big a number with the Seahawks. I just can't um, with a Sean McVay team on the other side. And I agree with Friedman that I'm sure the Rams would love to derail the Seahawks playoffs hopes in this one and going into the off season, feeling good about themselves. So yeah, I, I don't really want to touch this and I don't see much value on the total either. The 49ers feel pretty good about themselves at 12 and 4. They are 14 point favorites against the Arizona Cardinals at home here in San Fran. 40 is the number for this one, plus 600 on the money line for Arizona. Big underdogs here. Arizona is. Uh, I know we're going to probably hear a fun Cliff Kingsbury nugget at some point here from Friedman. I don't know if he's still got any left in the tank, but uh, look at this point. When it comes to the San Francisco 49ers, like Brock Purdy has gotten it done, the 49ers have gotten it done. They were challenged a little last week. Maybe they were not taking the Las Vegas Raiders as seriously as they should have. And uh, it's a good lesson here for this week. But what are your thoughts here? Again, similar situation where you're you're looking at a, a big number here at 14. Do you think that's too big? Yeah, this is uh, historically like the spot where you would want to bet Cliff Kingsbury as a road dog. He's just been, but... yeah, <laughs> he's been great. But. He's been great yeah. in that spot. That said, they're starting David Blau. And I'm still not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, which is it sort is of the loud. sign yeah. of, of how inconsequential he is in the landscape of, of the NFL. So I, uh, no, I, I'm not betting on the Cardinals in this spot. Uh, I have this projected at 14.25. So I, I think we're basically right where this number should be. It's uh, like 14 is a large number at this point in the season, especially going against a divisional opponent. But I think it should be 14. Pat, do you think it should be 14 as well? 
I do. I think the numbers are kind of spot on here. I don't see any value and I just generally don't like playing this sort of uh, a game, you know, with a, a really good team with something to play for in the playoffs and the Cardinals, I don't know, maybe they show up, maybe they don't. David Blau actually looked pretty good last week. He did. I gotta, I gotta give did. it to him. Yeah. Um, you know, like, and he, man, when I saw that guy play at Purdue, I never would have guessed that he would have been in the NFL carving out a career as a backup, but he actually did hey, play reasonably a well a last couple Thanksgivings week. ago. I mean, he could yeah. thank Kenny Galladay for that big uh, contract that he gave by slinging the football to him on that Turkey day a couple years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he made, he made Kenny Galladay look like a top yeah, wide Galladay receiver. Says, Thanks David Blau. <laughs> over like, right, yeah. Yeah. And it was like over a, it wasn't just one game. It was like over a four week stretch. So maybe David Blau <laughs> isn't as bad as we think, uh, but still I, I'm not interested in betting Cliff Kingsbury to cover here. All right. Uh, last two here we have on the slate. We've got the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Commanders. The Cowboys 12 and four, the Washington Commanders 7, 8, and 1. Uh, the Commanders are four point home underdogs in this one. 41 and a half is the number. Uh, you got plus 170 on the Washington side of this football game. Pat, do you see any early value? in cowboys commanders oh man i'm anxious to see what friedman says about this game because i feel like there's a little bit of value on the cowboys here i feel like it should be four and a half but at the same time this washington defense now that they've got chase young back and can unleash this chase young uh montez sweat jonathan allen trio of terror um like that's kind of a, a scary group to bet against or bet overs on um so yeah, I mean, like, I think Dallas should win this game by more than three and a half, but I, I don't know if I have the right instinct on that one. Uh, Friedman, what's your instinct when it comes to Cowboys commanders? Uh, I'm I'm wrong. I, I will say I had this at 7.25 uh, early in the week, and uh, minus six was the number that this opened at, and it it's moved against me, you know, moved from minus six to minus four. So, uh, my my instincts are wrong in this spot, but I I will say um, I don't know I I do not bet the Commanders uh, I I do not trust them in this spot here. Um, Carson Wentz looked really bad. They have a head coach who didn't understand the landscape of oh hey I could be eliminated from the playoffs this week. And the Cowboys historically, even when they've had uh, like nothing to play for or when they've had incentive to rest players in uh, the final week of the season, they've still gone out there and played tough because Jerry Jones like once got burned by resting players or he thinks he got burned by resting players in the final week of the season. And he doesn't want to be in that situation again. And like they're theoretically still live for the number one seed. They're playing at the exact same time as the Eagles. So like they're going to go out there and, and try to win. So you have one team uh, that I think is actually pretty decent. The Cowboys are one of the top five teams in the league going against a, uh, a commander's offense that I think with Carson Wentz at quarterback is woefully undermanned. So uh, I'm on the Cowboys here, but the market has moved against me. Last but certainly not least, the Green Bay Packers 8-8, eight and eight, the Detroit Lions 8-8. Eight and eight. This one's in Green Bay. The Packers are four and a half point favorites. 49 and a half is the number plus 185 on the money line. Friedman, is there any letdown after last week here for the Packers after a, a huge emotional win for them? Uh, they better take the Lions seriously, it feels like. And we all know Jared Goff, certainly not the same guy on the road in any elements. I don't know what the elements are for this game quite yet, but uh, is four and a half a comfortable number here where you think maybe the Packers aren't getting enough credit or are they getting too much? 
I think four and a half is the right number. I have it at 4.25, but I, I got to say, like, I am very torn on this game. <clears throat> Part of me really likes the idea of betting Dan Campbell in like a must win spot as a road underdog. It's like, yes, like I, I want to, I want to bet that at the same time. I love Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau field, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the time to bet on him. Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers in division crushes in both of those spots. And so this is like the Aaron Rodgers spot where you'd want to bet on him. So I'm I'm torn just in terms of like trends and like desires and the projection is right on. So I think this is probably the right number, but I don't think there's a letdown for the Packers. If anything, I think like this is what they've been building towards. Like they had it circled. They had it mapped out on the calendar. If all of these things play out, if like we can control our destiny with three straight wins and uh yeah, I don't think there's a letdown at all. If anything, I think it's like momentum building and they go out and they win by 20 points. Fitz, we've built all the way up to this game and this moment is the moment too big for the Packers or are they hitting their stride at just the right time? Yeah, so um, to address a point Friedman made, um, I think if you looked back at Aaron Rodgers' record in home games against the Lions, I think against the spread, it is probably not very good. It seems like, and uh, you know, I I've not actually researched this, but based on empirical evidence of me being a Packers fan, I can tell you that they often kind of lay an egg and and sleepwalk through these home games against the Lions. But under most circumstances, it's the Lions coming in with a terrible record and Packers favored by probably double digits, and uh, you know, the game's in mid-October or something like that. So different circumstances here. You, Joe, pointed out that Goff is a different quarterback um, away from home, yep. and that's certainly the case. And I will say that in any home game for the Packers in Lambeau Field in January, I will blind bet the under on a 49-point total every time. And it's not going to be Arctic conditions here in the upper Midwest this weekend. I think the the game time temperature will be somewhere in the 20s so it's not going to be frigid it will be chilly however and i i don't think the offenses are necessarily going to function at a super high level in those conditions um man like to me if i was going to bet this i was going to i would bet detroit like i i think this is maybe a little too tall for the packers um and i but yeah i, I like the under more than i like either side here it's confusing well, Pat, to me here's a stat that might make you feel better i'm just gonna throw this straight yeah. out at you here uh at home this year jared goff in uh nine games 23 and three uh 23 touchdowns three interceptions on the road seven games just six touchdowns four interceptions that is drastic that is a yeah. drastic and difference for a defense that's starting to play with a lot of confidence in green bay the last week they have fixed their defense, which is kind mm -hmm. of uh, confusing to me that the defense has played a lot better without Rashawn Gary, who is a phenomenal player. And somehow they well, have Quay fixed Walker the defense. Walker kind of steps up a little physicality, I felt like. Did you feel he like has. Walker? So, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's he's been a very uh, good find for them as a rookie, but like he is no Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary no, no, is like one of agreed. the most impactful But it was the physicality, even the though league. they took the penalty on that one play where they really should not have body slammed Dalvin Cook yeah, the way yeah, they yeah. did. It was almost to me, it felt like an emotional moment where, yeah, like the Packers needed to show a little bit of that. And that's been their problem on defense, especially with Gary out. They haven't had that. They had it this past weekend, even though they took the penalty, it was almost like a, a penalty you take because you start to 
get a little bit more confidence and hey, we're we're making a physical statement here. And the Packers made that statement. I think they're gonna make it here again. I really do. I'm I'm sold on the Packers now. Can you believe that? This is where we got to in week 18. Yeah, Maybe the I Packers mean, like, are better than I thought. They were obviously up for the Vikings, and whether they can keep that sort of intensity two weeks in a row, um, we'll see. Like it's going to be a really fun game, really interesting game. Mm-hmm. But as of now, I'm uh, slamming the under on this one. Not quite as interested in the side. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. All right, uh, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening to the show today and watching the show on the YouTube channel. Obviously, uh, the circumstances of, of today's show uh, very different than normal. Uh, we can only hope and continue for Tamar Hamlin's uh, speedy recovery and continue to uh, think about not only him – as well as his family, his teammates, and uh, for everybody uh, as well. A bit of humanity last night struck everybody very hard. And uh, it was, I think, a little therapeutic to just sit and talk about football again for a little while. And uh, we'll continue to monitor all these situations here, uh, obviously, on our social media platforms as well. Thank you for joining us today for Betting Pros. For Matthew Friedman and Pat Morris. I'm Joe Pizapia. We'll see you next time, kids.